Oh, how many people felt the earthquake this morning? Wow, that was, that was a good thing, right? How many people felt like that was maybe a sign from heaven? Anybody else feel that? I, I feel like it is. You know, earthquakes are all in the Bible, right? So it seems like God might have something to say to us in this time. But it's, to me, it's good. It's positive. I was thinking about the, a couple of things in the Bible uh, when there was a shaking. One was when, in the book of Acts when they prayed. And it says the place where they were praying was shook. And they were filled with boldness to preach the gospel. God is going to fill the church with boldness. Because we need some boldness right now. It's going to be, we're going to turn it up here. Uh, but we need God's boldness, not our human effort stuff. That doesn't work, right? So I believe that's one thing. The other thing I was thinking about was in Revelation 12, talking about that dragon in Revelation. You ever thought about that the dragon in Revelation, like the red dragon in Revelation? Do you ever think about this? There's no such thing as a, as a dragon. It's a mythical thing. Y'all get that? It's mythical. And God chose to call the devil. You're just mythical. You don't, you know. <laughs> you get that? <laughs> God has a sense of humor. He's making fun at the devil by calling him a dragon because dragons don't exist. But this dragon, this demonic being called Satan was going after this woman, which could be the body of Christ, right? You think? And, uh, but it says the earth opened up and helped the woman. You hear that? The earth opened up and helped her because he was vomiting out this filth. And that's what we see happening in the world today. I wonder if God's going to open the earth up and some stuff that's... Some filth is just going to go down into hell where it came from. Amen. Amen. We're in a time of, of I want to remind you, we're, this is a critical month for prayer. Okay? Critical month. I had a dream last week. Uh, remember I told you about this story about the word circumspectly? Do y'all, anybody remember that? Uh, it's a picture of the word that was given to Jim Hill back when he was a new believer in the 60s or 70s, way beyond or, you know, back in another era. But this Greek expert was teaching on that verse in Ephesians about walking circumspectly, and he said it was like uh, where these young boys set up bottles on a fence uh, and shot them. And the, and the top of the fence was covered in glass, and the cat was trying to walk over that. And that's what walking circumspectly is. It's trying to walk and not, you know, get hurt. And, you know, Paul, you know, exhorts us that we're in a time to walk that way. But I had this, I had this dream, and in the dream, uh, I was in this place, and there was just broken glass everywhere. And the Lord told me, your job is to clean that glass up. Of course, I wanted to argue with him, like, why do I have to do this? <laughs> you know, I didn't, in the dream, it wasn't conscious that that was the Lord. But really, that's what the prayer is, is cleaning up something. If we don't pray, things could get a lot worse for us. I believe God has given us, that's not, God has given us a space to pray and push back some of this stuff that's happening. And shut down some of this stuff that's happening. Because there's some, probably some bad things coming in our country, I think. There's going to be some 
revelations that are not going to be happy. People are not going to be happy to hear. It's going to be uncomfortable, and that could create chaos. But we can stop a lot of this if we will take this time and begin to pray into what God wants to happen in our nation. Because God is not the author of confusion he, and, and the violence and all this stuff. We can put a stop to some of this stuff. The church has the authority to do That's what she was sharing. We have this authority. We have this power. But we're going to have to learn how to use it. Now's our chance. So I really want to encourage you to, to pray. You know, if you want to come to that prayer meeting or any prayer meeting or you just pray at home, but take it seriously to pray for our nation. And I believe the more we pray, the more we're going to push back these, these things. So I just wanted to encourage you with that this morning. I think we're living in an amazing time, and I, I think uh, everything that God does, He's for us. So I'm not scared, are you? <laughs> Don't be scared. I want to read the Ephesians 2. I'm going to be using the Passion Translation because I went and I lo- love the way they say it in this Passion Translation, these particular verses. And they really are, it's very accurate. I don't know that everything in the Passion Translation is real, real 100% accurate because it's really not literally a translation, by the way. <laughs> okay? It's regrettable they call it a translation. I'm just telling you. You know, we have this thing called the Message Bible. Beautiful Bible and is very enlightening. Well, that's really what the Passion is. It's another, it's another Bible. It's like the Message uh, it, but it's not what we would consider a real literal translation. But it's got some amazing stuff in it, just like the Message Bible. I want to read Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 2, reading it out of the Passion Translation. So I love the Passion Translation, by the way. That's not a put-down. I'm just trying to inform you, just in case you didn't know it. Uh, it says, And His fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. Lord, help me. Help me. Let me tell you something. Right now is difficult for everybody, isn't it? We're in a difficult time. Okay? It is extremely difficult for leaders in the body of Christ right now. It's, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know what you even should say. This is not... None of this is coming easy. This is difficult. This is outside of our rhythm. Okay? But I believe God has gotten us out of our rhythm. Because I believe God has a better rhythm for us. I believe God has something more for us. Okay? And I'm willing to press through the discomfort of this. Myself personally. In my own personal life. My personal self. Me and Becky. Our life. And how we feel about life. And how we want to live our life. I'm willing to press through this moment. Okay? The discomfort of it. To get through this thing. Because I believe on the other side. God has something wonderful. And I don't know what where the other side is or what the other side looks like or when or what, none of that. But I have this belief in me. This moment is your moment. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage every one of us today is the way you behave in these times is very important. Don't misbehave. Don't misbehave. And if you do happen to, get, get it right with Jesus right away. Let the blood do its work. But it's a time our behavior is important to the Lord and, and how we act and how we react. All of that's very critical for us because I see that God wants to raise people up. He wants to promote people. He wants to give people a, a greater anointing and a greater amount of spiritual authority and the power of God. 
God wants His power released in the church. If you don't believe it, go do a word study in the New Testament and look wherever it says power. You will be amazingly shocked about how power is a predominant word in the New Testament. In fact, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, was stated was to give us power, to be His witnesses. And we must become people of power. We can't stay the way we were. We have to allow God to endue us with power, bring us into a greater baptism in His, His Spirit. That's what I really believe. And that's what I'm going for. And I, I'll tell you one thing you need to do. I'm just going to be straight with you. Not that I'm never straight with you, but you know what I'm saying. Is you need to have a life in the Word of God. If you don't have a life in the Word of God, you are going to fail. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Because the Word of God is the counsel of God. The Word of God is the counsel that God has given us in a written form that we can have on a daily basis to learn how to live our life no matter what the situation is. Jesus told these people called the Sadducees that didn't believe in the supernatural on any level on any day He said, you're greatly mistaken. Not just you made a bad error. You're greatly mistaken because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. It's not an either or. It's both and. We need to be people of the Word. Whatever that looks like for you, however that works out in your life, but you need to be in your heart committed to the Word of God. And as as you become committed to the Word of God, you'll become committed to the power of God because they both work together. One without the other is just not going to work. So I just believe it's a time for us to really recommit ourselves to the Word of the Lord and make the Word of the Lord a, a priority in your life. You really should do that. And again... Don't be religious about it. It needs to look like the way it's supposed to look like for you, between you and Jesus, between you and the Holy Spirit. Let Him lead you in that. And He will. He's promised He would. One of the first things that Jesus said, let me just stop this, but let me, one of the first things that Jesus said to His disciples after He was resurrected is that He, it says he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. They had been with Jesus for all these years. Now they're talking to this guy raised from the dead. They needed something supernatural still to come upon their minds. And he did it for them at that moment. He opened, And so that should be a prayer. Lord, open my mind to understand the Scripture. And if you'll do that, when you begin to engage God in the written Word, you'll begin to get revelation. You'll begin to have an understanding of what He's trying to tell you. It's the truth. That should be an, off, uh, an often prayer in your life. Well, anyways, it wasn't that long ago that you lived in religion. I'm back on this feast too. Oh, glory Lord, right. Okay, you lived in religion, customs, and values of this world. Religion, customs, and it wasn't that long, Paul was saying, that you lived in those things. Obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority... Notice that? Notice that? The devil, the devil has authority. The devil has a kingdom. He has authority in his kingdom. Even though he's defeated, he has authority. 
Don't joke yourself that he doesn't. Now, his authority is stolen authority. He stole it from us. And part of what Jesus did was set it up for us to get it back, for us to take back the authority that belongs to us. But, but see, in your realm, in your life, you're going to have to deal with the devil. You're going to have to overcome some things. You're going to have to face some things. You're going to have to face issues in your life that you have. You're going to have to face temptations in your life that you have. God allows that in your life. He allows that so you can overcome. And and by overcoming, you take the authority away from Him. And once you take the authority in your own life, you can begin to walk in your own life with authority of the devil when He shows up, you know, trying to tempt you. You can ridicule Him because you've defeated Him. Then God will allow you to begin to function in greater, greater spheres of authority. And that's what God's looking for. All authority was given to Jesus, okay? Right? He has all authority. But the devil still has authority here in his world. And it says right here, this is the world that the devil rules. And we can look around us and see what's happening. Are you? Mm-mm, I'm not going to say that. No, sir. Mm-mm. And he works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. He works diligently in their hearts. So what happens is you've got religion, customs, and values of the world. Very important. And so what, has, what happens is those values of the world, the customs of the world, and, and the religious system all have influence. That's what influences the world. They're, they're influencing us. The media is influencing us. Hollywood is influencing us. The government is influencing us. We're being influenced by all these things. And behind those things is a real devil that is empowering that influence. That's what Paul was talking about there. And he was saying that we're not supposed to live we're not, that should not be our influence. That is not the thing that should be influencing us. And the truth is, the truth is, we need to face the facts. We've been influenced by religion. We've been influenced by customs of this world. And we've been influenced by the values of this world. And when we get to facing the facts of that and begin to deal with those things in our heart, because we're very influenced by it, Uh, the book of Colossians uh, was written. The purpose of the book of Colossians, just in case you would like to know this, was to tell us how Christ was supreme to everything. That's what Paul, that was the whole purpose of him writing this book because there was this challenge about who Christ is and was Christ supreme. And I just love, I didn't put this verse up there, I'm going to read it to you. He said, I want you to know this, the supremacy of Christ, so that no one will come and lead you into error through their persuasive arguments and clever words. That was why he wrote the book of Colossians, because there's a persuasive thing operating in the earth today. There's clever arguments operating in the earth today. We need to face this, y'all. I'm telling you we need to face this. We need to face what's going on. Listen. We have 
let me just say this. We have Hollywood lecturing us about violence. Hollywood. Lecturing us about violence. We have professional athletes lecturing us about racism. There's something wrong when Christianity begins to allow those to be their influences. There's something wrong with that. There's something really wrong with that. And we need to begin to face face that. We have the educational system teaching our children socialism. And we wonder, we wonder, why has a young generation embraced Marxist theology? Because they've been teaching it to them for years. For years. Right, Marlon, like Marlon mentioned a few weeks ago, right under our nose. Very subtle, very discreet, but it was there. Now, all of a sudden, it's all coming to light. Thank God it's coming to light, right? As uncomfortable as that is and as tragic as that is, thank God that we're starting to see is, is, is this hell that's erupting in our nation, this thing called council culture, where you want to cancel the history of our nation. We want to cancel that because we're a bad nation. Let's do away with this nation. There's nothing wrong with those kind of thoughts, y'all. We're being influenced by something that we can't allow to influence us. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think Christians need it. And I said it before. God has a new playbook, okay? Because how we used to respond to stuff didn't work. It just didn't work. And we, need to, we need to get into God's playbook now. We really do. And he has a playbook on how to deal with it. And I, th- and I believe it, it, there's two things. Number one, it starts with the prayer. And number two, it starts with you voting. That's part of God's playbook. Y'all looking awful serious at me. Let me read this little thing here. This is good. Two influences. There's the kingdom of, de- of the devil and there's a the kingdom of Jesus. Those are the two primary influencers. What we had to decide is what in our life is coming from the devil's uh, kingdom and what in our lives is coming from God's kingdom. Decide which way we're going. Listen to this, Proverbs 14, 12 in the Passion Translation. You can rationalize it all you want and justify the path of error you have chosen, but you'll find out in an end that you took the road to destruction. You took the road to destruction. And New King James says it like this. You'll know it better from there. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is destruction. And so what, that's the cleverness of what we hear spoken to us. Some of the things that are being spoken seem right. Okay? They seem right. They seem like, yeah. But there's a destruction waiting for those who walk down that path. There's a destruction that's going to happen to us. Now, all my life, these scriptures I just read to you, I've always applied them to myself personally, not about what's going on in the world, but me, Byron Wicker. What am I doing? What am I thinking about? What am I looking at? How am I speaking? How am I treating people? And that's exactly the way we should always apply them, but we've got to begin to look, have a little bit of a bigger picture in our life. And we're at a time where we've got to take a step back and look around us and look at what's coming at us and make some decisions about what we're allowing in. Yeah. 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 
you know, listen, guys, I know Christians that are pro-choice. They're pro-choice. You know what pro-choice is? Pro-choice is pro-abortion. It's just a nice word for killing babies. That's all it is. And I've had believers tell me that they felt like the woman should have a right to make this. And I'm thinking, we don't have a right to kill nobody. I've, I've talked to some believers that think some of this anarchy that's going on in our country is okay because there's been so many injustices done that people have to be violent to get everybody's attention. How in the world can anarchy be right? You see what I'm saying? There's, that's an influence to have come on people's minds. And they begin to be influenced by the customs of this world, by the values of this world. But the end of that will be destruction. The end of that will not be good. It's not going to be good for us. Okay. Let me read this Romans 12. You know, hey, listen, as far as government concerns, I'm for less government. That's how I feel. Less government. Government, protect me and serve me. That's your job. Your job is not to tell me how to think. Your job is not to tell me how I'm supposed to live my personal life. That is not your job. But there's people who embrace this big government thing thinking it's going to be the answer for them. You know, I will just go ahead and tell you this. This is my belief. And I've, I have researched this a, a good bit. It's the biggest proponent of racism in our country is the U.S. government. You study. Go back and study. Go back to, 19, I think, 1964, the Great Society thing that they did. Go study it. Lyndon Johnson was the president who initiated that. It was evil. It hurt black people. It brought black people basically into enslavement. It really did. If you study the plight of the black person in the United States of America, by the 50s, black people were making progress as a whole, as a culture. They were moving up. They still had ways to go. They still weren't equal to white people in a lot of ways. But they were making progress. But once Johnson got a hold of it, and President Johnson was a terrible racist. He hated black people. He hated them. Study it. Study it. And to this day, we have government that creates a division in our country. They're perpetuating it. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a sin called racism. I believe there's a, a definite sin called racism. So... I'm just telling you some thoughts here. That's thoughts of the world that have influenced us. And so we're allowing people to inform us about things like racism, abortion, the rioting. We're allowing the world's values to talk to us. We need to begin to push back on that. Listen to this, Romans 12, 2. We love this verse. Woo, this thing kind of feels kind of intense to me, y'all. <laughs> I'm not trying to mess with y'all. I'm not trying. This is not political. Although, let me do say this. But you can't be a Christian, and at some point, there's not an intersection in politics. It, it, that's a joke. 
if you think otherwise. You're, you're deluded. You've listened to the world. You've listened to the wrong person. Why did they kill Jesus? Right? Why, why, did they, why, did they, why was all those guys martyred? They, were, they became a big threat to the governments and people in charge. So they had to kill them because they were starting to mess with their politics. They were starting to mess with their, their, their domain. Okay. I'm not trying to be heavy here, y'all. I'm really not. I'm really just trying to tell you something because we're at this critical point that we as a church need to begin to rise up and begin to speak the word of the Lord over our nation, over our children, over our future. That's not politics. That's saying kingdom of God come and be released into this situation. That's what we want to see happen. It's not about trying to get certain people elected or certain people thrown out. Kingdom of God come, things will happen. People will get thrown out. People will be brought in. Listen to this. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. This is Passion Translation again. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Total reformation. See, God's not into this partial thing. He's not into this, oh, let's just get you acting better, being nice to your wife, you know, stop being so angry all the time. He, he's looking for total reformation, a complete new way of thinking. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's a different way of thinking where we begin to see the world we live in from God's eyes and, God, and we understand it from His perspective. But we have to allow Him to do this thing in us. This will empower you to discern, to, to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. That's what God wants for us. If we're able to discern His will, understand His will, how many people struggle with that? Honestly, we all struggle with it. There's just times we don't really understand the will of God. We're struggling with it. And, and the key, here's, here's what it is. I've always, you know, that first part, about the ideals and opinions of the culture. Don't be conformed to this world. I think it's the way we would remember that from the other versions. I always kind of didn't think much about that. I always wanted to jump into this transformation, this renewal of my mind, not thinking much about the first part, which, was, which is awesome, and I love that, but I think it's time for us to think about the first part of that. Because if we don't begin to stop imitating and taking on the values of the world and the opinions of the world, we're never going to be fully transformed. We'll always struggle with knowing God's will and hearing God. We will because we got these other values. we got these other opinions that are dominating our thoughts. And we really have to come to a place where we stop that. We have to come to a place where we stop it, y'all. If we really want to know the will of God, if we want to know what Jesus is doing in the earth, because isn't that the question we're asking? Lord, just show me what you're doing, I'll do it. I tell that to the Lord all the time. Just tell me what you're doing, I'll do what you tell me to do. But you've got to tell me that because I don't know. And maybe one of the first things he was, says, Byron, stop imitating the values of what the world's saying. Don't go along with culture out there. Be counterculture. Be kingdom. And then you'll know what I'm doing. You'll, you'll instinctively know. 
I know this is a little bit different different way of approaching these scriptures. Oh, well, thank you, Lord. Mm. You know, one of the things that uh, in the that stop imitating the ideals of the culture around you, but be inwardly trying. This is uh, a way, another way this could be translated. This came from the footnotes in the Passion Trend. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this present age. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this present age. God doesn't want us squeezed into that. Because if you get squeezed into that, you're, there's going to be some difficulties for you. There's going to be loss for you. There's going to be more pain for you than what you could have had or not had. Because there's a way that seems right. See, that's the deception. That's the deception. There's things that are being said that seem right. And we're falling for them. We're falling for them. I hear Christians, they hear somebody say something in Hollywood, well, they react to it, and they want to battle using what they said. I'm thinking, well, that's not the right ammo. You're using the wrong ammo. Who cares what that Hollywood person said about racism? I don't want to hear what they have to say about racism. I want to know what Jesus has to say about it. That's what I'm going to go to war with. I'm going to go to war with what he said. And he's got something to say about racism. He really does. He can say right now, I don't like it. I experienced it. That's what he would say. I experienced it. Any Jewish person should tell you they know about racism. Okay. So everybody in this room is called to be an influencer. Everybody in this room, you're a person of consequence. You may be an ordinary person doing, you know, ordinary things. Getting up every day, going to work, feeding the babies, mopping the floor, washing the car, doing just ordinary stuff. But you're a person of consequence. You carry influence in you. You have power to be able to influence the world around you. You have that. You see, that's what God wants to... Convince us off. All I, whatever, all that I said to you was sort of the, the negative side of it. But there's a, another positive side to all this. It's for us as believers to begin to believe something different about ourselves and begin to act on what the Bible, what Jesus, what the Holy Spirit, what God the Father is saying to us. He's given us warnings. Don't be conformed to that stuff. Don't buy into that stuff. But here's what you can buy into. And he's given us some, some information. He's given us some information to buy into. And says, if you'll start thinking like this, then you could have a lot of influence. You can begin to make a change what's around you. Can I read this one thing here? Or I could stop. I mean, I'm good to stop right now, y'all. I'm serious. Because I feel like if we could just do that... I feel like if we could just stop letting the world have influence on us, if we could just stop that 
and begin to say, Jesus, root out the leaven in me. Root out that influence in me. Reveal that influence into me. When I'm being influenced by that stuff, let me know. And I'm going to repent of it right away. Even Jesus, if I even don't agree, if I think you're wrong about it, if I think, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with that, I'm still going to repent of it. Because if you say it's the world, I don't want it because the devil's behind it. But let me just read this one to you then, okay? This, I just love this. I'll try to say it quick. This is something Jesus said in the, the, uh, on the Mount of Beatitude, you know, that great message he gave. The beatitude, you know, like the most amazing message Jesus ever gave. It, it really is Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. The, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, right? That's the whole way the kingdom works. He gave us the plan. This is the way it works. And this is one of the things. He said, I'm reading this out of the TPT again just to be consistent, but it's, it's really good. He says, Listen, and we know this, but there's something more that God wants us to not just know something, He wants this. To grab us, grab our hearts. You, your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing. I'm going to tell you something. I found out about that. Because I didn't know, like, how can you have flavorless salt? There's a way. And it will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Is that not a picture of the church? We're trampled on. We're trampled on. We're trampled on. I, if we're going to be trampled on, let's be trampled on because we, we're fierce and we are making a difference. Okay? If I don't get squashed, I want to be squashed because I have just brought hell down. You know? Not because I let hell in. I brought it down. You know, your lives light up the world. You're the light of the world. <laughs> Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in, in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do, not you say, you do. Notice that. And that's truthfully what he's saying. Will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. So what Jesus was saying is our influence is like salt and light. Well, let me just say this. Scientifically speaking, the world cannot exist without either one of them. You cannot live without salt or light. Humanity would not exist without salt or light. Well, those people in that day may have not known that more than likely. And, and there's things I found out about salt that I never knew on a physical perspective. But those people did know some things about salt. Okay? Salt was very important in the day of Jesus. That's how they paid the Roman soldiers. They got wages in salt. In fact, our... our uh, Word for salary comes from a Latin word that means salt money. So when, there's, when Jesus is talking salt, they're like getting it. You're the salt of the earth. In other words, you're very important. The Greek mind was salt is mythical. Salt is supernatural. Salt has miraculous powers to it. That's how the Greeks 
thought of it. You've ever, y'all ever heard the phrase, that person is not worth his salt? Have you ever heard that? It's kind of an old country saying. Well, that's where it came from because salt was such great value. But here's something that they probably didn't know about salt, which I, I, I found I didn't know it about salt. Okay? Um, without salt, your muscles can't work. Without salt, your blood will not circulate. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Without salt, your food will not digest. Is that crazy? And without salt, your heart won't beat. And what Jesus was saying is you're the thing that's going to keep this world alive. You're the thing. You, the people of God, you're going to keep this world's heart beating. You're going to keep this world being able to function, being able to use its muscles, being able to, use its, to, be able to breathe even. But he did say this, but if the salt loses its taste, and scientifically speaking, salt can't lose its taste. It, it really can't. You know, salt, salt. But this is what they would do in those days to cheat people. They would take the salt that they were going to have to pay somebody for, and they would mix other minerals with it. Do you hear what I'm saying? They, listen, listen to this. They would mix other minerals with it. They would dilute the salt, and the salt would lose its taste. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let, let me say it like this. Let me say it to you like this, Okay. You're going to lose your impact on this world by imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Do you hear what I'm telling you? That gets into us and it dilutes us. It dilutes the salt that we are. And suddenly, instead of being salty... We become bland. We become tasteless. And Jesus said, then, if you become that, then you're going to get trampled by men. In other words, the fear of man, the fear that rules this atmosphere is going to begin to rule your heart. That's why Jesus said in the last days, men's heart would fail them for fear because we, because we allowed ourselves to be deluded. Are y'all connecting all this? What I said at first, bringing it into this. See, that's where we're at. That's where we've been. We've been there. We're like salt that's full of bad minerals. And you're a Roman soldier. You get paid with that. You're going to do something. You're going to be hurting somebody. You're going to be really upset if your salt is diluted. And I feel like that's why, that's why, y'all, that's why they've taught our kids socialism. And we didn't know it. Because we're deluded. All of a sudden we lost our influence. We lost our influence. That's why we have believers that think it's okay for a woman to make the choice about abortion, about her baby. It's her body. She should have that choice. It's because we've gotten deluded. And we've believed something we shouldn't believe. We've got these bad minerals from hell that's got into us. And God is saying, I want to get that out of you. 
I want that out because I need you to influence this culture. I don't need you to go along with it and agree with it. I need you to influence it. I need you to bring something to it. I want you to bring the thing that they desire and they're trying to get. See, we can't condemn the world for being crazy and doing what they're doing. They don't have Jesus. They don't have what we have. And he wants us to give that to them. But if we're so deluded ourselves and believe in all this insanity, then we're going to be trampled. We're, going, we're not going to be able to give it to them. They're going to walk over the top of us. You know, Paul the Apostle was beheaded, supposedly. He lost his head. Jesus, uh, Peter was, but that wasn't being trampled, man. They went out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> they're still, their salt continues to touch our life to this day. Okay, let me just read about light a minute. Maybe not read about it, tell you about it. Jesus also said, let, let your light shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do, not your com- opinions, not your philosophy, not even your theology. It's what you do. It's, did you do the things that God called you to do? Did you treat people the way they should have been treated? That's the thing that Jesus is looking for. It's not all this other stuff. It's not all these arguments, all this division. That's none of that. That's not going to work. It's doing what he told you to do. And when you get around people, when you tell them you do what you're supposed to do, then you have a a voice into their life and you can begin to speak some things that may be shocking to them. You know? So, you know, a light eliminates darkness, right? Everybody, oh, I'm so scared of the light. You know, nobody, no kid says that, Right? I'm scared of the light, Daddy. Come in. No, I'm scared of the dark. Right? Go turn the light on. There's nothing in here. Have you ever, ever been scared of the dark? Hey, I had something happen to me the other day. I was by myself at night. Becky was gone. Ooh, Lord, help. <laughs> you talking about being scared. Something came into my room and picked up the pillow and slammed it down on the bed. And I jumped up out of the bed looking for my firearm you know what I'm saying? Because I thought somebody was in the house with me. My heart was up here. I was so scared. Then I concluded, gosh, that must have been supernatural. Lord, what in the world, <laughs> you know? What are you doing? <laughs> You're scaring me. Well, if I'd have been in the light and that would have happened, I wouldn't have thought nothing about it. I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. Hey, come on, angels. Yeah, yeah, let's have a talk. I even told her, I'm not sure I want to have this conversation right now. I was scared. Dark, darkness is scared, but light dispels darkness. Light dispels fear. And our world is ate up by fear right now. There's good, honest, sincere Christian people that are living in fear. They need the light. They need God's light to shine on them again and refresh them and renew them in the Lord. Um, and so, anyways, that's what light's like, you know. It allows us to see. It allows us to see. God wants people to be able to see, see the King, see the King of glory. So really what, you know, when Jesus was saying this, to me it all boils down to this, is, is God wants us to be engaged in our culture. There's a temptation to withdraw yourself. Does anybody know about that temptation? There's a temptation to pull back. 
And that's nearly not what we got to do. We've got to engage the culture. Whatever culture you're in, whatever, wherever God's put you, He wants you to engage that. It may just be your neighbors, but that's big. That's big. All that stuff's important to God. Okay, so I'm going to end. One of the things uh, we were talking about this morning was, you know, those three parables in uh, Matthew 24 and 25 where he talks about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, right? And, and then he talks about the parable of the talents, right? Then he kind of ends it up and says, hey, you know, when the Son of Man comes back in all his glory with all his angels, I mean, man, that speaks to me. And he begins to sh- separate sheep, Nations, goat nations. He is going to do that because he said he was going to do that. And what did he say was the thing that set apart the sheep nations from the goat nations? What what did he say? They asked him. He said, when I was poor, when I was hungry, when I was sick, you didn't take care of me. That's what he said. That's what Jesus said. That's when he's at the end. In other words, he wasn't saying we're going to become sheep by doing those things. He was just going to say, my followers do these things. They're going to get the oil that he talked about in the parable. Of the Right? Are y'all following this? Yeah. They're going to get the oil. They got a talent. They're going to use that talent. They're going to take that oil, mix it with that talent, and they're going to begin to do some stuff. And it's going to affect the poor. It's going to affect the needy. It's going to affect the sick and, and the people in prison, all these people who are in need. And that can be spiritual and that can be natural. And that's really what I believe the Lord wants us to begin to do. All right, well, thank you, Lord. Y'all. Y'all looking awfully bad at badly. Y'all looking badly at me. You know how there's this thing out there that, you know, about the seven mountains of influence in society, it's education, politics, all of that. And I this week we had an eighth one I came up with. I think it's the mountain of our neighbors. Wow. Yeah, I really do. I think that's an eighth mountain that the church needs to conquer is our neighbors. And, um, and I feel like that's something practically we all can do because we may not can conquer a mountain of politics or education or all those things. So I wanted to encourage you with that because, you know, the people, that means the people right around us. And that is a mountain that the Lord wants us to take. And this, wow, it's a great message today, honey. Yeah, I want to pray for you. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to say I believe that God really wants to bring a reformation to us, to the church. I, I really do. I believe He wants to reform us, and I'm, I, I'm, like I said, I'm committed to that. I want to be committed at my lowest point. You know, I told Becky the other day I was at a good point spiritually. Okay, this is how bad I can be. Becky, from now on, this is what I want to do. I, everything I do, I want to do it because I love God. 
because everything I do for Becky is because I love her. I do stuff for my kids because I love them. I don't want to do it for other reasons. I just want to do it out of love. That sounded so sweet at the moment, but hours later... I was telling myself how I, all the things I didn't want to do because I felt intimidated. I felt beat down in my life. I was at, all of a sudden, I found myself at this low point. Where's the love thing? You know? That's how fickle we as human beings can be. But thank God at the low point, I said, well, I, this is the way I feel, Lord. I feel worthless. I feel like a failure. I don't know what to do. I have no clue what I'm doing. But I do love you, and I will do what you tell me to do, even if it makes no sense to me. I'm committed to doing that. Well, I've done a lot of things for Becky out of love that when, she wanted me, when I was doing them, I was not happy. You know what I'm saying? I wish I wouldn't have had to do this. And, you know, but, you know, you do love your family, and you'll do stuff for them. You'll make sacrifices for them. And I think that's what God wants from us this morning, is to be able to say to them, is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yeah, I'm just saying yes to you, Jesus. I'm saying yes to your kingdom. So I want to pray. If you feel that, if you feel like that's what you want to do, I think you should feel that, but I'm going to pray that the Lord will allow that to be a reality in your life. If He comes to you and says, your job is to clean up the glass, clean up the mess. Like, why don't I have to do that? To say, oh, good, I get to do that. Hey, you know, the servants, when Jesus said, hey, go uh, tell those guys to take those water pots and fill them with water. He told the servants to do that. Guess what? The servants went and filled it. Now take some out and bring it to the masters of ceremonies. And he drank the wine and said, wow, the best wine. But they didn't know where it came from. But you know what the Bible said? But the servants knew. But the servants knew. The servants had an inside information. We're talking bond servant. We're talking voluntary servant. We're talking serving out of love. Not out of duty. Paul called himself a bond servant. In other words, I'm doing this because I love Jesus. I love what he did for me, and I'm going to serve him. And they get in on information. I'm thinking, I'm in. If I can get on information like that, I want in on this deal because I want to know stuff that God's doing. So this is an invitation. If you want to be that, stand up, and I'm going to pray that God will help us to be that. Even at our lowest point, even at your lowest point where you feel absolutely defeated in your life and you want to run away and you want to hide, you want to dig a hole, even at that point you could say to the Lord, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to run because everything's collapsing around me. I'm going to run to you and somehow you're going to get me back to a place of high standing. And if you'll do that, God will get you through that low point. And He will do something for you in your life. He will bless your life because that's what He wants to do. But every one of us is going to come to a place where life around us collapses on us. Are y'all getting this? 
you're going to find yourself in a spot where you don't want to follow God. And where, where life is extremely painful, where you feel neglected or rejected or pushed out, you're going to feel all that. That's a time not to run away from God, but that's a time to say yes to Him. Yes, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you that you can turn all of this around. And I believe God wants to take what's been happening in our nation. And I believe what He wants to do to take what's been happening in the body of Christ in America and in other nations. And I believe He wants to turn it around and make it for our good. And it will look back at this time in our lives and we'll see this was a critical moment. This was an important moment. And what we did and decisions we made at this moment were very critical for our lives and they set direction for our lives. In other words, we have disowned the culture of the world. We have disowned the opinions of the world and began to own the, the culture of the kingdom and the opinions and words of God. This is a time to do that. So, Father, I just pray for everybody in this room. Woo, Lord, I just ask you to impart right now in the name of Jesus. Impart, Lord, release in us a passion for your heart, Lord. A passion for the Word of God. Lord, I just pray you begin to speak to people about stuff in their life that they're believing that are lies. They're built on a lie. They're built, they're from hell. I pray you begin to reveal those thoughts to us, those opinions, the things that we have grabbed hold to, Lord, and held on to, sometimes to our own hurt, our family's hurt, because we were not willing to humble ourselves and say, this, something's wrong with this. This does not line up with the heart of the Lord. Lord, I just ask you today to put that in us. Put that in us. And free us, Lord, from the bondages that we're suffering right now. We ask you, Lord, to intervene in our lives, intervene in this nation and in the nations of the world. Lord, this devious plan that the devil has released upon the world, Lord, we are asking you to show us how to break that. Break it off ourselves, off our families, off our friends, and off the body of Christ, off our government, Lord. Off the decision makers, Lord. And Lord, if they won't repent, we ask you to take them out and put somebody in here who will do it, Lord. We're asking you to do something, Lord. We're asking for abortion to end in our country, Lord. We want it to be outlawed, Lord, where it's illegal to kill babies. We're asking you to do that, Lord. We're asking you to show us how we can pray and how we can interact to see the kingdom of God come into these places. And we're sorry, Lord, for our mistakes and what we've believed. We're just asking you to help us, Holy Spirit, today in the name of Jesus. Just sit there a moment and let the Lord... I know it's 5 after 12. Woo, Jesus. And let, let the Holy Spirit just touch your mind and touch your heart. And it really is true that the Lord is for you. He says you don't have to become salt and you don't have to become light because you already are. You already are. You're already a person of consequence. He just wants you to know that. 
Just know that and believe that you can impact this world. Just begin to believe that you carry something that the world needs and you have the ability to impact it. Begin to believe that and let that belief get bigger than these other beliefs. The voices that tell you you're not something. The voices that want to keep pulling you down. Begin to believe the voice of Jesus. Lord, we ask you to do that right now in Jesus' name. I, I just feel like, you know, Marlon mentioned it. God's trying to touch minds this morning and emotions. And heal us. Let's just take a minute and let him heal us and fix us. He wants to fix some people. He can touch your mind right now and heal you instantly. He can heal your mind instantly. It doesn't have to take months. He can heal your emotions instantly. Lord, you did that, Lord. You touched people. You touched a man who had thousands of demons. And he was instantly in his right mind. Instantly. Lord, we're asking you for instant healings and miracles in this room, Lord. I just pray for everybody whose mind is broken this morning, whose emotions are broken. Lord, there would be an instant healing that you would release your power into them right now in Jesus' name. And free them, Lord, for the thing that has kept them captive, Lord. Lord, we're asking you to do that. We're asking for wholeness and healing today. We're asking for your power to come on us and baptize us in deep fire of the Spirit, Lord. Lord, I ask you to release us, Lord, and get the chains off of us, Lord, that are holding us back, Lord, and keeping us from being what you called us to be. And keeping us from believing your word, Lord. Lord, do it. Do it, Lord. And Lord, I just want to condemn shame that's on people in this room. I look at you, I see shame on some of you. you fit, there's a shame on you. And the Lord says, no. Don't accept shame. Don't accept it. Shame is from hell. Jesus approves of you. I don't care what you've done. If you're His, He approves of you. If there's stuff you've done that's not right, all you've got to do is get it right with Him. But He still approves of you. He may not approve of what you've done, but He approves of you as a human being. And He loves you. And He wants you to know something different. It's time for the body of Christ to know something different. This is our chance. This is our chance, our generation's chance. We have a chance. God has given us a chance. And He's inviting us to step into something with Him. The Bible says in Thessalonians that there's this man of lawlessness that's held back. He's held back. Who's holding the man of lawlessness back? We are. We always used to think it was just the Holy Spirit. Well, of course it's the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit in us is holding the wickedness back. And we can push that wickedness away if we'll begin to believe God and believe what He said. Lord, I ask you to break that Antichrist spirit that's on us, Lord. You'd break it off, Lord. You would free us from that lie from hell. Free our nation from lawlessness, Lord. Free our nation. Free our nation. 
Listen, whenever you see lawlessness, that is what the Bible calls the Antichrist spirit. Lawlessness is not from heaven. Lord, free us from that. Free us. It's just not good enough for Christians to get riled up when they burn Bibles. That's not good enough. We should have been riled up a long time ago when we saw the lawlessness on the streets. That is not the Holy Spirit. And we have to come against that stuff in prayer and let the law enforcement people come against it physically. And I pray to God, if you believe in defunding police, that you would repent today. Because we cannot let lawlessness loose in the natural and expect it not to get us spiritually. I pray to God we would repent from that kind of thinking. Well, maybe we need to retrain some law enforcement officers. Yeah. And how to treat people different, all that. Remember, protect and serve. Remember that. But my goodness, y'all. That spirit of lawlessness will absolutely destroy this nation and every nation on the earth. It will destroy us. That is an antichrist spirit. And we have to come against that. We have to say no to it. We have to say yes to Jesus. We have to. We have to. You think you got mental problems now? You let that go, it'll be worse. You think you're afraid now? It'll get a lot worse. But we can stop it. I believe we can stop it. Okay, I'm just going to stop. Marlon, come in here and this. I could go on. I, I, I don't want to go on. I'm going to stop. End us. Or you end us. That was powerful. Yeah. Y'all feel the importation? I just want to let you know, this week we experienced a supernatural moment with somebody that was so broken. And... This person lost so many people in her life. And when she was telling us after supernatural events, we met this person and we asked her if we could pray for her. She, was, she told us, I met Jesus two years ago. I lost my son in the war, my husband when he was 25. My mom, her brother had leukemia. And we stood there, and we said, can we just pray for you? And we, we started praying, and the Holy Spirit came. And she started weeping. And one of the ladies that's panting was praying for her, looked at her and said, I see deep sadness in your heart. God wants to heal you, and tonight you will rest well. This woman was shaking, and from the car, she opened the door. She said, I love you guys. I don't know what you did to me, but I never felt this in my life before. I never, I feel something. And she went home, and she sent a text to us the next day. Yesterday, said, I slept like a baby. And she said, I love you, and I will always love you. That's what the, that's what the world needs, is what Byron was sharing so I just want to say that to encourage you today that there, you are, we are the salt and the light. And so the Lord bless you. The Lord anoint your head with oil and give you his spirit and power to preach the gospel and see, see his kingdom come on earth. Have a blessed week, guys. Oh, the people that want, sorry, I forgot that, Marlon. If you want prayer, if you want to receive some of this, come up front. The ministry team will come over here and pray for you. So. Amen. Amen.